I want to thank Anna for for the worship and also I want to thank each and every one of you for being here this morning. We thank God for everything. The Lord is in control. Whatever the circumstances, whatever the mountain, whatever the challenge, He is in control. The message is do not panic. This morning, I want to continue with the, the series that I've been going on, which is um, understanding the time and the season. And uh, this morning, I will take the, the text from Genesis chapter 12, 10 to 20. Father, Lord, I thank you. Bless your name for this wonderful opportunity to speak to your people. Thank you for how you've carried us. Thank you for what you are doing in our lives, individually and collectively as church. Lord, we invite you to take control. Even this hour, be in our midst and may your spirit move. Amen. So in my previous teaching on this topic, we looked at the book of Ruth in relation to Elimelech and Naomi's family and how their understanding of the time and the season impacts their lives. The book of Ruth narrates the beautiful story of love, loyalty, and redemption. Through her relationship with her mother-in-law, Naomi, Ruth came into knowledge of the living God and thus became his devout followers. She abandoned her family and homeland and follow her mother-in-law, the widowed mother-in-law. She also uh, embraced the God of Israel. Her faith was well-placed, for God not only provided for her, God also placed her in the Messianic family line. However, we were told that, that the same chapter, chapter 1, narrate the unfortunate adventure of Elimelech and his family, an account of death, prodigality, and heartbreak of Naomi in the land of Moab. Now, what does it mean to understand the time and season? For us to have clear understanding of the times and the season as relates to our lives, The, it means to have insight into the mind of God regarding events in his heavenly calendar. And this is what is known as discernment. The gift of discernment, the gift of discernment 
is always valuable, especially in times of uncertainty. However, the sad reality is most people are so preoccupied with one thing or the other, our businesses, our studies, our job, our families, everything. And that takes us away from that. We don't have that clear picture of what God has in stock. And when he speaks, we don't even hear. When he's there, we don't see him because we are too busy. And truly, the worst state a Christian can be is that of ignorance of the time and the season as it relates to what God has in store for him. We go through untold hardship and sufferings in life simply because we take God out of the equation. We have on daily basis undermined the move of the Holy Spirit in our lives to the extent that we see, you know, we seem disconnected from God and could no longer seek his face nor hear from him. It is a pathetic state for a child of God and can be likened to the absence of divine vision, a state of not knowing the mind of God or the will. This is our focus this morning. Go with me to the book of Genesis, chapter 12. Genesis 12, I will read from 10. Abraham in Egypt. Now there was a famine in the land, and Abraham went to Egypt to dwell there, for the famine was severe in the land. And it came to pass, when he was close to entering Egypt, that he said to Sarai, his wife, Indeed, I know that you are a very beautiful woman. Therefore, it will happen when the Egyptians seize you, that they will say, this is his wife, and they will kill me, but they will let you live. Please, say you are my sister, that it may be well with me for your sake and that I may live because of you. So it was, when Abraham came into Egypt, that the Egyptians saw the woman, that she was very beautiful. The prince of Pharaoh also saw her and commended her to Pharaoh. And the woman was taken to Pharaoh's house. He treated Abraham well for her sake. He had sheep oxen, male donkey, male and female servants, female donkey, and camels. But the Lord plagued the Pharaoh and his house with great plagues because of Sarai, Abraham's wife, 
And Pharaoh called, called Abraham and said, What is this you have done to me? Why did you not tell me that she was your wife? Why did you say she is my sister? I might have taken her as a wife, as my wife. Now, therefore, here is your wife. Take her and go your way. So Pharaoh commanded his men concerning him, and they sent him away with his wife and all that he had. Praise the Lord. If we've been following the, this chapter, it's a shift from the narrative. He was called, Abraham was called out of his very own land and was directed to where to go. God promised to take him and promise him heaven and earth that he will, be, he will become the father of the whole nation. Now, as a father of great nation, God also promised to give Abraham his descendant from every land. So Abraham began to worship the Lord. But this was the first, if I may say, a test of his faith. The very first to go to Egypt. And for him to go to Egypt is not by force anyway, but there was famine, just like it happened in the book of Ruth. Sometimes situation arises, and that situation defines exactly who you are. Because how you handle the situation or how you approach it speaks volume of the stuff you are made of. And as Christians, it, it speaks who we place our faith on. Abraham, this is a test of his faith. Now, the question will be, why would Abraham, with all the promises and assurance of God's presence, fail the test of his faith? Well, if we distance him because of the time and the distance or the error, I can as well assure you that if it presents itself today, if the situation presents itself today, we might do the same thing. We might fail the same test, depending on how we understand the time and the season. To answer this question, we need to examine few factors that can negatively affect our understanding of God's agenda. And these factors include, number one, Fear. Fear. Another one like it is doubt. Then unbelief. Fear is an acronym for false evidence appearing real. We look at things we see different meanings depending on the perspective 
I may see A, you see B, but it's the same picture. The same situation might be okay for me, might not be okay for you. It might be tough, depending on how you see it. The most dangerous thing and the most potent weapon the enemy, the Satan uses against the believer is fear. Why? Because it, it paralyzes you. When the devil put fear in our hearts, in our mind, totally we surrender. We begin to see ourselves. We begin to lose focus. We begin to put God aside and we begin to, you know, try to either to shy away from the situation or we try to do it our own way. And remember, when you put God aside, when God is not there, when you believe that you have all the strength to do it, that is when we fell completely. We have a living, we serve a living God. He is the most powerful, the most high God. He has answer to every question. He has solution to everything that happens under the earth. There is nothing so hard before him. And there is a saying that what God cannot do does not exist. Now, we have seen how the Lord has carried Abraham from this point to where he is now. Yet, a simple test, he fell. Now, for those that are married, I wonder how you feel, you know, in a situation like that, kind of giving your wife away to somebody else, simply because of, because of the favor of man. It is God, only God, that gives favor, not man. It is God that touches the heart of man, even to give that favor. Therefore, it's not up to man to favor one, except the Lord wills. Abraham shifted attention, his attention from God, and focused elsewhere. Now he began to see Egypt. He didn't see God in it. He now focused on his journey, on his own. He did not put God in the equation. Now, the mistake he did happened to backfire. It worked against him. God has a way of doing things. And the best way to approach a situation is number one, recognize 
that there is God and that he is able to do all things. And the best approach is to go down on your knees and ask him, Lord, in this situation, how, what's, what's your plan? What's, your, what's, the, what's the message? Because for every situation there is God's message. If only we could listen. If only we could pay attention. We will see that very message. That reason why that situation is presented there for, in the first place. So the spirit of fear does not come from the Lord. It comes from the enemy. Go with me to the book of 2 Timothy. Second Timothy chapter 1, 6 to 12. Therefore, I remind, I remind you to stay up the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but, the power, but of power and of love and of sound mind. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share with me in the suffering for the gospel according to the power of God, who has saved us and called us with our holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own, own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began, but has now been revealed by the appearing of our, Lord, of our Savior Jesus Christ, who has abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel, to which I appointed a preacher, an apostle, and a teacher of the Gentiles. For this reason, I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and I am persuaded that he is able to keep what I have committed to him until that day. This is Paul speaking to Timothy, encouraging him. He talked about fear, that fear is not from the it's not of the Lord. In the presence of the Lord, there is no fear. But the enemy uses it against us, knowing that if he can paralyze our mind, he will have a go on us. Fear is a potent weapon in the hand of the enemy. Another one like it is doubt. It's similar to fear because when fear paralyzes us, it put doubt in our, in our mind. We begin to doubt. Is it me? Is God in the picture? 
What is going on? A lot of questions will start to, you know, we start questioning even what we believe. And when doubt creeps in, it is a disastrous consequences. Doubt is another manipulation of Satan and the product of fear. Doubt can be described as a feeling of uncertainty or lack of conviction. Doubting the power of God is sinful and is destructive to our faith in Christ Jesus. What did the Bible say about this? Go with me to the book of James. James chapter 1. James chapter 1. We'll read chapter 1 to 8. James. A bond servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ to the twelve tribes which are scattered abroad. Greetings. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith, with no doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind, for let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. In anything, in our approach, in our prayers, in our requests, there should be no atom of doubt as far as God is concerned. God described doubt here. Somebody that doubts is described as, like, as a wave, like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. In other words, a feather to every wind that blows. When you doubt the gospel, you have no roots. You have no faith. And which means you are open to any other, any, any, any other thing Whoever comes, whatever they say you believe, you will be tossed by, you won't be stable. The Bible said that such, such person 
will not receive anything from the Lord. Why? Because he is a double-minded man, unstable in, all, in everything. We ought to be stable. We ought to stand firm in the gospel. We don't need to be, find ourselves in a situation where we can compromise the word of God. So doubts, when doubt creeps in, it takes us away from the presence of God. Our focus, we focus elsewhere. And that's what happened here. Abraham, or at that point, he was still Abraham. He's, he, 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 had that, he, began, he began to entertain doubts whether God is in the picture, whether God is you know, following him or God is there. Because of this doubt, he now resorts to do it his own way. And what came to his mind is, because of the danger that is ahead of him, the perceived danger that is ahead of him, that the only way he can save the situation is to lie in the first place, that his wife was a sister. And what does that mean? Exposing her to danger. In order to protect him, his, his own skin, he exposed the wife to danger. And that is not something that we can expect from a believer. Somebody that has seen the hand of God in action. Somebody that has seen God promise him and promise to take him to everywhere and to make him the father of all nations. Just a little test of faith. But remember, we are serving a living God, a God of mercy, that will always find a way for us, that will always lift us, even from the pits. He intervened. Another factor there is unbelief. Unbelief, simply put, is the absence of faith, refusing to believe in God and in his word. And when you place these three factors and dot them, you find out that one leads to the other. Fear leads to doubt, and doubt leads to unbelief. Go with me to the book of Romans. Romans chapter 14. Romans 14, I will read 
23, 24. But he who doubts is condemned if he eats, because he does not eat from the faith, from faith. For whatever he is, for whatever is not from faith is sin. God finds it offensive when we do not trust him. An evil heart of unbelief can cause us to fall away from God. It is the root cause of all other sins. Unbelief. And Romans chapter 6 verse 14 says, For sin shall not be a master over you, for you are not under the law, but under grace. So, in spite of all this, in spite of the shortcomings, in spite of all our doubts, fear, and unbelief, God has already made way. Grace is always there for us. He will not forsake us, no matter what. The battle may rage, the enemies will, may advance very close, but as long as God is in the picture, you shall never, shall never be defeated. Victory is always assured. In the end, God intervened and saved the situation. Even the Egyptians were even compelled to send Abraham and, and, uh, and his wife away in order that the hand, the hand of God would not continually punish them. God forgives whatever our shortcomings. We should always go to him in prayer, no matter what we are facing, no matter what the situation will be, no matter who's against you, God is with you and he will never leave you nor forsake you. Father Lord, we thank you this morning for how you've led us. Thank you, Father, for you are the God of all circumstances. You are the one that sees us through. Even when we feel that we are alone, you guide us, you lead us, you protect us, you provide. Lord, where the whole of our body is to be marked is not enough to say thank you for all that you are doing in our lives, individually and collectively. But this morning we've come to you and we say, Father, thank you. Continue to lead us. Do not allow us, O oh Lord, to fall on the wayside. Continue to strengthen us. Help us even through the battles, even through the challenges of life. And blessed be your name. Amen.